Hello everybody, Mitch Michaels here. It's time for another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. Great show for you today. It's going to be basketball, NBA playoffs, or hockey's NHL playoffs. we got to talk about the first couple of days of action, a wild opening round for both sports. Ryan Souls, my good buddy, is going to come on to break down the basketball preview later in the show. But up first, Tyler Tesla, another good friend of mine, former college hockey teammate. We talk about all the action in the first round. We actually broke the news of the Capitals getting beat by the Maple Leafs. They're down 2-1. The President's Trophy winner is a little bit on the ropes right now. Maybe it's time for the panic button. A lot of hockey talk to discuss Tyler Tesla on opening week of the NHL Hockey Playoffs. Here we go. Time to talk playoff hockey with that. Bring you back on the Money Mitch Effect. Recurring guest Tyler Tesson. Tyler, thanks for joining the show amid all the chaos of first round playoff hockey. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. Appreciate it. It's been pretty epic. We're doing this Monday night in the intermission between, I think, two overtimes. We have a confirmed Capitals Maple Leafs overtime coming up, which is pretty crazy there in that game three. Looks like Boston and Ottawa is going to be going to an overtime as well. That series also won one as they went back to Boston today. But Tyler, of all the hockey storylines, the playoffs, all the chaos we've seen through three games, two or three games of a series, what's one thing that stood out to you the most? I think I might know what it is, but what's one thing that's caught you the most surprised? I would say the game we're watching right now, I would have. I would have picked the Capitals, the one and four or five at the most. So I'm just, you know, the Maple Leafs barely get into the playoffs, and now they're almost taking the lead in the series on the one seed right now, which is just, I think if anyone thought there was a surefire team to go to the Cup, it was probably Washington. Yeah, it's it's incredible what's happening with this Capitals team that, you know, for the first two games looked kind of uninspired, and then this game up 3-1, to one, now going to overtime will – We'll touch on that. I mean, there's just such unpredictability. The St. Louis Blues are up three games to love, about ready to sweep the Minnesota Wild, who are leading the Central for much of the year. The Predators, who are just dominating the Blackhawks. Montreal looking like a good team. There's just so much parity, and I think that's what makes the playoffs exciting, Tyler, because you know anything could happen on any given night in any given series. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say I'd have to put Chicago as the second surprise in the Canaan you know, since they've been going here, era, I can't remember the Blackhawks losing two games like this in the first round. Yeah, let's start with that series. They play later tonight, game three in Nashville. Nashville dominant in the first two games. The first game they won one to nothing. Pekka Renee was great, but I think that could have been a coin flip game. But game two, I mean, they were 5 nothing. That game might not have even been that close. It's incredible to me to see Nashville... I mean, I think they're everybody in Chicago's nightmare is the sense that I, I didn't th- see this coming. I thought Nashville could be a cup team preseason, but they're the classic Tyler underachieving team that's finally figuring it out when it matters. And their speed and size combination is what's what I think had a lot of people on them early to be this darling in the Stanley Cup race. But to see them put it together, it's a different type of dynamic that I don't think Chicago is ready for at all. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, it, you know, in the preseason, everyone kind of thought Nashville, this could be the team that could maybe, you know, take the throne from the Blackhawks in the West, and, you know, throughout the regular season, it just didn't look like it was going to come to fruition, but it looks like they're getting going at the right time, and, you know, Pecorini hasn't quite been the same the past couple of years, and he's coming to play this round, and he's going to have to continue to, though, if they want to close it out. You know, I thought he was the best goalie in the league for a couple of years in the 2008-2009-10 range. It's incredible to me that he had one shutout in his playoff career before this series, and he's had two in his yeah. last two games. I mean, it's, it's insane. I, I, I think yeah. Chicago's going to snap out of their scoring funk, and I think going into uh, Nashville, where it's almost like a Chicago home game, is going to help. But it, it, they got their hands full. I mean, they got to win this game. You can't fall behind 3-0 in a series. You just can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an absolute must-win game, especially losing the first two at home. And even more amazing, Pecorini has two shutouts, but he also has two points more than Kane, Tay's entire Blackhawks team to this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Just racking up those assists. 
I know a lot of goalies would be proud there. And you do wonder, too, with this division, with this new format where, Tyler, you're having to get out of your division with the Batman rules playoff system, this division plays a very physical brand of hockey. I almost wonder if that's going to be a detriment to Chicago having to battle through the years and their cup runs and whatever team comes out of it. I mean, you have to earn it. You have to play a very physical brand of hockey to get to the conference finals. Yeah, and I mean, just, you know, if Chicago somehow does get out of it, you got to expect the series is going seven games minimum if that's the case. So they're going to, you know, they're going to take a beating if that's the case with how physical Nashville's been playing. Yeah, it's, wow, it's incredible that we got Nashville up 2-0 at this point. We'll see if that goes on tonight to be 3-0 or if Chicago gets back into the series. But, Tyler, the St. Louis Blues 3-love is very shocking. Not shocking that they're in this series, not shocking that they might and probably now will win this series, but the fact that they're doing it, they've done it three straight games, and they've, you know, at times had to steal some games, but Jake Allen, 9.74 save percentage. I had one big reserve with this team, and it was, can Allen be the guy in a playoff series? Well, the question's been answered. I don't know if I saw this coming. I certainly didn't, but did anybody in the St. Louis area or or around the team think this was possible, that he could play this good? No, I, it's totally <laughs> unexpected. And people are shocked we're up 3 nothing, but I think people are more shocked we just made the playoffs. <laughs> With, you know, when you get rid of Shattenkirk, you fire your coach, you never know what's going to happen. And they just, they're getting hot at the right time. And it looks like people are buying into what Yo's preaching. So it's, it's amazing. You know, I look up and down the Blues roster and it's just, to me, it just is not a very impressive NHL team at all from a talent standpoint. But, you know, somehow they're beating the Wild right now. Yeah, and, and I would also add to that, Tyler. Uh, I, you know, the coaching change lit a fire under them, as we've seen in the past. Mike Yo, especially knowing this team, the psychological edge that he might have over a lot of that Wild roster. But I think the Shattenkirk trade, an interesting thing happened where they traded away a guy that was an all-star, that was you know, one of the better defensemen in the league, the team, rather than go south, they kind of bonded together. They, they kind of said, all right, you know, he's gone. Now it's on us. You know, we, we were the reason why this trade happened because we underachieved. Let's rally together. It, it doesn't always go that way. I think more often than not it goes the other way. But I think this team really did get inspired and, and show great resilience after the Shattenkirk trade. Yeah, and I think that kind of cloud with Shattenkirk from, you know, everything in the off season. I think it was just kind of hanging over the team all year, wondering if, you know, he was going to get dealt, if Hitch was going to be around. It was kind of weird. You had your coach in waiting there. Also, so just a lot of weird situations. So I think once those two big moves were made, I think people could kind of just sit back and relax and just play hockey. And, you know, it's looking to work out for him now. Sure is. It's incredible how the Blues have gotten to this point one game away from winning. On the other side, the Minnesota Wild, again, having some stumbling issues in the playoffs. They were poor down the stretch, Tyler. I don't think that surprised anyone that they were not peaking at the right time going into the playoffs. But you also got to throw in there that Bruce Boudreau, this is what he does in the playoffs. So if there are ever well, a match made in heaven, it's this team and this coach. <laughs> Well, and you think of it from the organization standpoint, you know, they went out and made some big deals at the trade deadline to bring in some guys, you know, you bring in Hansel and some other guys, and it's, you know, they were kind of going all in at the deadline, and it's not panning out for them the way they thought it would. No, <laughs> no, it's not. We'll see. I mean, yeah, they tied up a, a lot of money. They've lost a, a few draft picks making those deals. Man, the Wild. A couple months ago, they were, you know, a trendy Stanley Cup pick. Everybody in the state of hockey was was enjoying themselves, and now this. It's it's stunning. Well, we're going to move on now. Tower Tess on Money Mitch Effect. Just recapping some early action in the NHL playoffs, 2017 edition of the NHL playoffs. I want to stay in the Western Conference and go out to the Pacific Division. I know a lot of people in the East and Central time zones might not have seen a lot of the hockey out there. The Sharks and Oilers series, the Oilers are up 2-1. to one. They won a game in San Jose late last night. One of the one of the more ridiculous endings, Tyler, I don't know if you saw this, but it was a one nothing game that was determined on one of the worst defensive zone turnovers was the goal. It was a direct pass right to the guy in the slot for a goal. You would think, though, and I bring this up because you'd think that's a team like the Oilers that would make that mistake with their inexperience, but nonchalantly, this Oilers team showing a lot of resolve doing this up 2-1 
without McDavid really being a beast in this series as of yet. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by the toughness on this Oilers team. Yeah, yeah, they're playing physical. Talbot's obviously playing amazing right now, but yeah, I mean they're they're playing they're playing how they want it. Some low scoring games that you know. If you can keep the Sharks off the scoreboard, you've got a chance. And, you know, that's what they're doing. They're kind of growing up overnight with everyone. Everyone kind of wrote them off as the young team, and they're just happy to get in the playoffs this year. But, obviously, they want to move on. They do. And for the Sharks, I, I think if there's any, if there's ever a time I know we appreciate his greatness, but this is when the general public, the general hockey community, sees how valuable Joe Thornton is because they're a different team without him at full strength. I mean, he missed game one. Yeah he's come back but he's not the same I mean you know he's getting up there in age but without a healthy Joe Thornton it's it's a totally different team I mean this is a team ravaged by injuries Logan Couture's banged up I mean San Jose has a lot of talent but they're you know they're not as deep as some of these other teams I think we're starting to see that against a young and fresh Oilers team yeah and Thornton just does so many things that you know don't necessarily show up on the score sheet at the end of the game but he's always in front of the net getting traffic going and one of the best playmakers in the league or you know for a long time been one of the best playmakers around so when you don't have him at full strength you're you're in trouble a lot of people thought this pacific division was wide open oilers throwing their hat in the race the other series in the western conference in that division is ducks and flames ducks up two games to love they've been entertaining interesting games but the ducks hold serve at home. I didn't even realize that stat, Tyler, that the Flames haven't beaten the Ducks in Anaheim in about 11 years. <laughs> it's been that long. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, and this is the one I thought there could potentially be an upset in. Just, you know, the Flames came into the playoffs hot, and the Ducks kind of, they had a good year, but, you know, no one looked at them as, like, a huge favorite going in the playoffs. So, you know, this is one of the ones I was looking at as a potential upset going into it, but Ducks are kind of taking care of business so far. They are, and it's interesting too. The Ducks have such experience and such so, such tenacity and grit on their front line that you just wonder. You watch these games; the Flames are just getting pushed around. You know, these are a lot of young guys that haven't been in these moments, and I, I know the Ducks like to you know have choked in the last couple of years, but I don't know if the Flames have the size, the physicality, and Matthew Kachuk, notwithstanding, because he's crazy out there. I mean, that guy's. Gonna, yeah. I think he's going to start a brawl in their elimination game. So that's my, my bold prediction is something's going to happen with him, but I don't know if they have yeah, it. Yeah, and that's what's interesting. Some of the other, you know, like we mentioned Edmonton, they're stepping up to the plate. In the playoffs, you got to rise up to the occasion. And, you know, it's faster, it's more physical, but the Flames just look like a team still trying to play kind of a regular season style of hockey, and they're just not quite adapting to what you need to do in the playoffs to be successful. Yeah, and I wonder if they expended too much energy getting, you know, going on that winning streak to getting into position. I don't know if they have enough left in the tank to keep it going. And I just Anaheim, you, you trust what they have. You trust the guys that have been there before. And uh, I'll, I'll stick with Flames. I'll stick with Ducks in five or Flames in seven. It's one or the other. <laughs> uh, no, no game sixes and sevens for Anaheim, please, for their sake. Yeah. All right, Eastern, yeah, of course. Eastern Conference now with Tyler Tesla on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's switch our attention to there. You mentioned Washington, Toronto. We'll try to give you an update. That game goes final while we're recording this. But I was disappointed, to say the least, that in games one and two of this series, I know Washington won the first one overtime, lost the second, with all three now going to overtime. The lack of urgency for this Capitals team. I know they have all that talent, but it's almost like they thought they could just show up and mail it in over a Maple Leafs team. I mean, this is the NHL playoffs, and they're going against one of the best coaches in all of hockey, Mike Babcock. So that was the disappointing thing for me from the Capitals' perspective. Yeah, and just, you know, they make the big deal at the trade deadline and get Shattenkirk, and the big talk is this is the year they got another defenseman back there to help them out, and everyone just thought this was the complete team in the NHL, and it's just, complacency going in the playoffs no urgency like you said and I mean you know potentially one wrong bounce if they lose this OT game they could have been down three nothing but you know the same could be said for the Maple Leafs but to be the one seed and put yourself in three overtime games it's you know that's not what you want to do I mean you could speak from the experience following the Blues last year Tyler they going to overtimes going longer in series 
that had a negative effect on them in the Western Conference Finals against the Sharks that they didn't handle the Blackhawks or the Stars last year more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're playing physical teams that are just wearing you down, too, you're going – you have a physical team that wears you down, but then when you're playing almost an extra game in the series at this point with, you know, two overtimes in the second game and then one in the first, and now we have another one tonight, it's, you know, that's going to wear a team down. And can we just make our future bets now on the eventual trilogy matchup between the Maple Leafs and the Oilers in the next (laughs) five to ten? It just seems, I mean, the Oilers, we talk about McDavid, but we got to give Toronto credit. They might have more depth at their front line with Matthews, Nylander, and Marner. I mean, and these kids are gamers, too, down 3-1 tonight, and they get it to overtime. It's just amazing how young they are and how quickly they're growing up. I mean, you know, they're playing the premier team in the NHL this year, and they're playing right with them. You know, you would never know which team's the one and which team's the eight in this series. No, you wouldn't. Well, we'll, we'll see. The overtime just uh, facing off. We'll see if it ends while we're recording. We'll give you that, but if not... We'll definitely have to catch this uh, in real time. The other game that went to overtime as we record this, Senators-Bruins, 3-3. Three to three. Bruins were down 3 nothing in this game in Boston and forced overtime with a flurry of goals in the second period, all three of them there. Tyler, I look at this series. This might be the one that's not getting the national pub. It's, it's going up against a lot of big market teams. They've had a couple NHL Network games, uh, which we all know what that means. Not exactly good for ratings compared to the NBC Sports games, but a lot of momentum swings in this one when you consider that game one, Ottawa's up one nothing late, Boston scores late, wins it in overtime, and we do have a final, the Maple Leafs won. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But we'll we'll get confirmation on that. But you consider going back to Boston and Ottawa, Boston steals game one late. Game two, Boston's on the verge of stealing both in Ottawa. It's three to one and then Ottawa scores two late wins in overtime and now another three goal lead getting just absolutely wiped away i'm i'm really impressed and also disappointed if that makes sense because these teams are showing great resolve but it's not the prettiest hockey there's a lot of, there's a lot of flaws they're mucking it up playoff style and uh, i think that's a microcosm for how this atlantic division has been all year to be completely honest yeah a lot you know all these other series have just been great and enjoyable to watch but that one that one's the one when you sit down and you try and turn it on it's just like man it almost puts you to sleep watching the game and it's you know both teams are just making mistakes all over the ice Tuka Rask hasn't been playing that well in the playoffs and it's just it's an ugly style of hockey it is there's one saving grace for me and that's Eric Carlson and I was just going to bring this up game two he on the game-tying goal, takes the puck on the boards, pretty much walks the blue line and fires a pass in between about three outstretched sticks. Today, he has a sauce pass from behind his own net that clears everybody and lands, and clears the ice and lands on the far blue line for a breakaway pass. Makes a similar play to his game two play on the very next goal. We weren't old enough to see, obviously, Bobby Orr in his prime. We didn't really even get to see Paul Coffey in his prime. I think he's the best offensive defenseman I've ever seen. And uh, it's hard to debate anyone. I know Burns is up there, but I don't know, Tyler. I just like Carlson's game is just unbelievable from that offensive dis- defensive perspective. Yeah, it's he is the one you know bright spot of the series. Just watching a guy at that high of a level play. You know, I I really enjoy watching Burns play, but Carlson like Carlson's an offensive defenseman, but he also is solid defensive player on top of it as well. So you have to respect you know being able to play both sides. Yeah, and I I think, you know, you watch him play, he's really calm out there. You know, his footwork is, is phenomenal, and that's what I keep going back to, especially at the blue line. But he doesn't look like he's going that fast, although he plays the game at such a high speed. He's just so sure of himself, sure with the puck. His ability to get out of tight spaces and to make plays along the blue line is just sensational. But the Bruins team is full of battlers. Pasternak's had an unbelievable season. And I think this is whoever wins this game. I don't think we're we're going to end this series anytime soon. I think this is going to be a seven, six or seven game series. I still do. I still do like Boston though. I, I think Boston just has that that grit, that that experience, especially with Tukarask, and that I think they'll find a way to win this one. Yeah, I agree with that one. I I, I thought this one was going to be a short series with Boston winning, but it may go a little longer than I expected. But I I think Boston wins it in six. 
Well, there's not too many more series to discuss. We'll we'll wrap this up on the Money Mitch Effect with Tyler Tesson. And I think it's a time to get to that Pittsburgh and Columbus series. That Pittsburgh is up three games to love on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Just wanna just wanna point out one thing. Pittsburgh the better team and is probably on their way to a sweep. But what was your initial reaction, Tyler, to the Wolenski play yesterday? I mean, he had his face just absolutely destroyed on a, a biased puck. And I know the rule, and I know you don't have to blow that one dead. It's just an interesting visual to see a guy covered in blood laying in the laying in the face on top of the faceoff circle while the play is still yeah. going on. Yeah, you've got to blow that one dead. I mean, that's just – you never want to see that happen. And, the, and I saw now that it looks like he's out the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, he tried. He came back. He came back in the third with the cage on, with a pretty nasty scar to say the least. And he couldn't play in overtime because his eyes swelled shut during the intermission. And I guess on further review, they said it was facial fractures. It was a very, very weird game. Columbus had to have it though, and they didn't. And I thought what was very interesting about this game was that Pittsburgh. We wonder about the motivation. We wonder about them not having Latang. But at the end of the day, it's Kessel, it's Malkin, and of course it's Crosby. Crosby on the overtime winner. You can hate the guy as much as you want, and I'm guilty of it too, but there's nobody you'd rather have in a clutch moment in this sport. He skates with the puck behind the net, and he makes an unbelievable feed, but it's so typical him that we're not judged, we're not starstruck by it anymore. It's just another Crosby play. Yeah, absolutely, and I've always been more of an Ovechkin guy than Crosby, but you have to give it to Crosby. You know, he shows up in the playoffs shows up in big games when it counts and he always wills his team to win and you know that's the one big knock on Ovechkin he just doesn't do that and Crosby's just you know if you're in a close game he's he's the guy you want on the ice with the puck yeah it's uh it's something to see and it's a Pittsburgh team again that with Washington struggling now having to go along Pittsburgh had some injuries to battle there's no team in better position right now and and probably with a better attitude than Pittsburgh they could sweep and they could have Washington either get knocked out or go along with Toronto, get some time off. I mean, it's it's <laughs> the cards are lining up again for Pittsburgh. This happens every year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the other side not looking as well or, you know, nearly as dominating as, you know, the side Pittsburgh's on. So they have, they have to be huge Maple Leafs fans at this point. I got to say, too, about Columbus, losing this series was not surprising, or I should say they're, they're about to lose this series. I thought they'd put up, obviously, more of a fight. But I think the future's still looking pretty good. I don't know many teams in all of hockey, definitely the Eastern Conference, with the depth that Columbus has. A lot of young talent on that roster. I think it's going to bode well for them going forward, especially with you know Washington coming into a lot of contract years and Pittsburgh getting up there in age as well. So I, I don't think that Columbus was necessarily just playing for this year. Yeah, you just got to keep Tortorella out of jail or in fights. So, <laughs> yeah. like you can do that, you'll be all right. That's tough. That's a tough, uh, tough thing. We got to keep him out of a, a visiting locker rooms too. I'm, <laughs> I'm worried about that handshake line coming up. We'll see. Yeah, he, he may go after Crosby after the game. Well, yeah, we'll let that happen. We'll, that, we'll, we'll let him get a few in there. But last <laughs> series to talk about Tyler Canadians Rangers, kind of a, an underrated matchup with Montreal now leading two to one. But you got to think about the Rangers. They were so close to being up 2-0 coming back to New York, and that's the game of momentum. You have Lundqvist actually not being the problem. I thought he might be given how he played in the regular season, but he's played pretty well. Ranger offense is not getting it done. I mean, they got a lot of young talent that they invested a lot of money in, and they're just not performing. Absolutely, and then you know the last game, I think Canadians had all, like hit what fifty-four shots or something like that. I mean, they were just dominating the game I think this one could be a quick one now I, the Rangers just look like they're falling off the wagon after the first game boy the, the Canadians have a simple I'd say ugly style but it works right they're just going to defend they're going to just shoot everything and they're going and they got Weber and they got Price and they got <laughs> they're not going to do anything too flashy they, they trust who they are they have an identity and you know I think it works I think it could be a quick one here. I still think the Rangers have a chance. We'll see how game four looks, but I'm just impressed that the Canadians, while they've been inconsistent as a goal-scoring team, the defense is always going to be there, and you know you're going to be right there in every game. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And when you have Price and that, you always have a chance every game with a solid D and a solid goalie. You sure do. Well, this was a, an interesting hockey discussion with the Senators and Bruins over time about to start. Lastly, though, Tyler, I do want to ask you a couple things. I, I never got your MVP pick. Would you go Crosby or McDavid this year? I don't know. That's, I think I'd go McDavid just because no one really expected Edmonton to make the playoffs this year, and he just had an unbelievable year after getting hurt last year. So I think it's more that I'm not a huge Crosby fan. I go <laughs> McDavid, but <laughs> yeah, I think McDavid. I don't win. think you can go wrong either way. Yeah, I think McDavid's going to win. I just I, I would go Crosby. I think the value he has in winning the Richard Trophy this year for most goals was pretty incredible. But, yeah, you, you really can't go wrong either way. And then lastly, anything surprising you about the already moving coaching carousel? We've had some firings. We've had some, some team-signed coaches go on now coaching the Vegas Golden Knights, Hitchcock back in Dallas. It's been interesting. Yeah, the Hitchcock to Dallas one's very interesting just you know, before the year, the Blues sold it as this was Hitch's last year. He wanted, he didn't want to coach after this year, and that's why they brought in Yo to be the coach in waiting. And then, you know, sure enough, he gets fired, and he's going back to Dallas. So, I think that's, I think Hitchcock's a great coach, but I think his message just goes stale after about two or three years, and you know, he just has a short shelf life, which seems to be a common trend in the NHL these days. It's intriguing, though, right, going to Dallas? Because you know his style is defense playing the percentages. They don't really do much of that in Dallas. So I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. I think it's either going to be a complete 180 transformation, they're going to be really good, or it's going to blow up and he's going to go off into the sunset slathered in some rib barbecue sauce or something. I don't know. But we'll yeah, see. Yeah, he probably needs to bring a goalie down there with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. And then I'm... I'm also, I know we're in the same camp too. I don't know if Sutter's going to coach again, but I'd, I'd hire him if I needed an NHL head coach. You could find a lot worse than Daryl Sutter. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody's going to pick him up. There's no doubt. You know, someone who's one cop, some, you know, he's been with the Kings for how many years was it now? I mean, he's been there forever. He took over the year that they won their first championship. So that was 2012. So I think. So. Yeah, and for the NHL, that's a pretty long time. <laughs> yeah, it, it sure is. Well, any yeah. potential landing spots you think you see him going to? Of all the teams right now, you know, it's funny because the musical chairs has kind of moved around, and they named uh, Wait the uh, the head coach already full time in New York. I don't know that any other teams are going to make them. I, Vancouver's the one though that they they still have that opening. I don't know that he's going to be in it for the rebuild process. But he's a Canadian guy. You know, I don't know that you know, it would be good for the commute and everything. But if I had to pick a dark horse to invest in, in, a, in a team personnel-wise, Tyler, that I think would make sense, I think he'd be great at Winnipeg. I like that team yeah. going forward. I think Line A is a goal scorer. He could be his version of Jeff Carter going forward. And I don't know if they're looking to make a coaching change, but that would be a team that I think he would yeah. do wonders there. Yeah, and I think just the style of hockey that team already plays, I think fits very, you know, close to what he likes to do. Yeah, could you imagine adding him, adding Sutter to the coaches in the in the Central Division? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't know how long a lot of these guys are going to keep coaching. That's uh, one of the things I'm kind of hearing is uh, there will be a shorter shelf life on Quinville. It might not be much longer. I mean, he doesn't have anything else to really prove. I don't know how much longer he coaches Chicago for. Yeah. Yeah, especially if they have an early exit this year. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It could happen. Well, Tyler Tesson, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And it's always good talking hockey with you. We have a lot left, a lot more bloody injuries, and a lot more overtime goals. So we'll be on the lookout for both. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. good catching up with Tyler and it was also good to see some of the hockey that took place after we recorded that segment with the Predators jumping out to the 3-0 lead on the Blackhawks unbelievable stuff out of Cashville home of Young Buck and a very good hockey team and a big comeback for the Ducks they come back down 4-1 to to beat the Flames go 3-0 in that series as well as the Senators winning in OT all four games on Monday night went to overtime unbelievable action in the National Hockey League, get on board 
you're not going to regret it. Become a hockey fan. That's my sales pitch to you. All right, now it's time to talk to Ryan Souls. We're going to go from the rink to the hard court, the hardwood, and talk about the NBA playoffs. An interesting couple of games, to say the least. We recorded this before. Both the Cavs and the Spurs took a 2-0 lead in their respective series. But some interesting observations and thoughts about the NBA's playoff edition 2017 action. Myself and Ryan Souls break that down for you here on the Money Mitch Cut. All right, now it's that time to talk NBA playoffs. First time we've done it this year. Ryan Souls back again on the Money Mitch Effect. Ryan, it's that time of year again. Thanks for rejoining the show. Man, I'm happy to be here. It feels like a while since I've done this, but uh, lo and behold, I'm here. Let's do it. Well, we're all really excited for another edition of the NBA playoffs. Last Friday, previewed the show. On the show, I previewed the playoffs, but Ryan, it's... Only a couple of results so far. We've got the initial returns in. Mm-hmm. Everybody's played one game. We're recording this on Monday night. Cavs and Pacers are in the second half of their second game. Spurs and Grizzlies to foul. And I know it's only one game, and I know there's a lot of overreacting that can be done. But it's been oh, interesting so far. And I'll say the East in particular, Ryan. We've seen some upsets. We've seen some near upsets. I think that side of the bracket is looking a little more shaky than it has maybe in years past. Yeah, I agree. And I'm really, uh, even at the top, uh, it is shaky. Uh, I think, and when I say the top, you know, Boston finished at the number one seed, but I think we always think of the team that LeBron's on in the East as the number one team. And, um, you know, even going into the the postseason, they didn't look like they were in postseason form. So there's, there's definitely some room for some shakeups if the games continue playing out like they have been. Yeah, I agree with that uh, 100%, Ryan. And I think also, starting at the top with the Boston Celtics, we all had our doubts about that team. Not just because the Cavs didn't get the one seed, but the way the pecking order in the East goes, there's a lot of people that had them third and people that had them fourth in the top four teams, including Toronto and Washington. I think this team having uh, overachieved at times, being led by a superstar in Isaiah Thomas that you know does a lot with so little and was so clutch, the best fourth quarter player for most of the season. I think we had our doubts there. Toronto has shown in the past that they're vulnerable. They have a matchup nightmare in Milwaukee that we'll get to in a moment. And the Wizards are playing a lot better too. I even look at that first Cleveland-Indiana game, Ryan. I mean, the Pacers had them. The Pacers came back, exposed all of Cleveland's flaws, and had a puncher's chance to win that game so we could have seen all the top teams lose except for Washington I think they won pretty handily but the other three could have easily lost I agree yeah we could have seen anything and I think that's that's just the the wonderfulness I'll make up a word here of the the playoffs and really in any sport but I think just across the board you can see you know matchup based basketball go any way because you you get seven shots at somebody you get a chance to study somebody on film and practice for just that one team so anything's possible in the postseason sure is i do want to start with the boston celtics and the chicago bulls ryan and i guess we'll turn it serious at the moment we saw the story the news break on saturday about isaiah thomas's sister china who was tragically killed in a car accident, a one-car accident in the Washington area. She was just 22 years old. And, again, I don't want to take anything away from the Bulls. They went out there and they earned that game, and they handily won it down the stretch. But, Ryan, it's always tough. You know, It's hard to put yourself in the shoes of anybody who's dealing with this tragedy. But I think Isaiah handled it and, and played about as well as he could have. I don't. There was obviously a lot running through his mind the day before, the day of the game, and even now with you know him dealing with this unspeakable tragedy but I thought it was ultra impressive by the way as a man he was able to handle it and the way he was able to play I mean his play did not suffer he he handled his business and I was just inspired by how you know he was able to deal with such a loss in such a positive way I agree and you know and I'll draw a parallel to football real quick because you know and you know we we see this really across all sports but I think football is different because the guys wear helmets. Um, you don't really, you don't get to see a lot of that emotion. But to see, you know, we, we saw some emotional Isaiah Thomas last night, and I think that that puts you, uh, that puts the viewer in, in a specific 
arena for connection with with a with an athlete and i think to see that and then to pair that with the performance he had i think uh, is is very moving and it's just not not to not to really under undervalue the the tragedy that took place here because i mean it was awful but from a sports standpoint um it, it was something beautiful to watch yeah, when he hit that first, or I guess it'll be that second that first three. three. Yeah, yeah three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, both those threes. It was just amazing uh, to see the Boston reaction to that. And you know, there was a lot of debate over whether or not he would have played. I don't think we would have faulted him at all if he wasn't able to play. And, no, not at all. And and I can't. I mean, luckily, you know, we can't speak for having to deal with that at any level of sports um, ourselves. Talking individually now, Ryan. But I will say this on a much, much smaller scale. I've had moments in my life where it, it, there's been stuff going on. And, and I will say this. There is a coping mechanism. It can be very therapeutic to be out there with your teammates, with your brothers, and just get lost in that moment. I mean, to kind of use it as a distraction, to use it as you know something to you know take your mind off of what's going on. And I, and I think, again, I can't put myself into his shoes and into what he's thinking right now. But I think it's kind of that welcome distraction. I don't know that it'll fully, you know, really hit until the season ends. And, you know, I think it, it can be, and this is one of the very, very many positives in sports is how it can serve to help someone emotionally in this case. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. You never can get into somebody's head or heart in a situation like this and really judge how, how they're feeling and, and how they're carrying it. But I think sports does allow um, – for a brief escape, which is which is great. So again, our condolences to Isaiah Thomas and his family. There was a game to be played, though, in the Bulls, the 8-seed Chicago Bulls, Ryan. They win this game 106-102. This was a Bulls team that took a lot of slack all season for a number of things, roster construction, trades, poor coaching decisions. At the end of the day, they win a game, a game one in Boston. I know it's a best-of-seven series, Ryan, but... Some positives to take away. Jimmy Butler probably being, if not the best, the second best player in the series. Dwayne Wade having an efficient-ish performance. I know it's not a lot to expect of a guy at that age to carry the team. And Ryan, they shot about as bad as you can for three quarters from three-point range, and they still won this game on the road. So there's a lot of positives to take away from one game for the Chicago Bulls. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of positives here. and you know, We didn't get to talk before the playoffs started, but I think if Chicago really, if you're an eighth seed and you want to play any one seed, I think this is the one seed you want to play. Uh, and not to take anything away from Boston, but the playoffs is all about matchups. I think Chicago is able to match up decently with Boston. And if they can grind out games kind of like they did uh, a couple nights ago, I think this could be a long series. I think how they did it, uh, and you know, you said Jimmy Butler being the first or second best player on the floor. I think he is the best player on the floor. I think, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Isaiah Thomas, but I think in the playoffs, 5-9 will come into play a lot more than 6-5. And I think that Butler's skill on the defensive end, especially, I think just makes him the, more, the better all-around player to me of the series. But I think if the Bulls can just continue to grind games out, and Boston doesn't get a lot out of their bench like they didn't, I think the Bulls can make this interesting. Yeah, and and I would say to that too, defensively, and Dwayne Wade said it, they like to put Butler on the best player, big or small, at times in the game. He's not, I mean, no one's at that Kawhi level defensively or or Ron Artest level in in his heyday, but it's a matchup problem, and it it gets into your head too. Like, you don't know when it's coming. You don't know when they're going to dispose it, and I think... Butler can be a player. I'm still not ready to push the panic button just yet. I think the Bulls are very game and could pull off the upset, but we know there's a lot of basketball left. The Celtics bench was awful. I don't expect that to be the case for the rest of the series. I agree. I think Marcus Smart will play better, and I still like Boston to win a long series, but hey, the seed of doubt is planted, so we we got yeah. a wild one left. And I think if you're the Bulls, you know, coming in and still in a game on the road, I think that's the best thing you can ask for. Yeah, well, we'll have to monitor where it goes from here. All right, Ryan Soul's Money Mitch Effect. We mentioned it at the top of the show, Cleveland Cavaliers. They start their defense of their 2015-16 title season, and it was shaky. I mean, they had that game against the Pacers in control in the fourth quarter, but again, it was almost a late collapse led by, of all people, Lance Stevenson. Cavs win 109-108, but Ryan, on that Cavs front, they're fortunate they didn't lose this game. 
And again, it comes down to defense. We know they can score. We know LeBron can get his. Kyrie as well. Kevin Love is as good a third wheel that you know we've seen in a long time in the Eastern Conference. But defensively, I mean, this is, again, another example of them not being able to stop anybody. Absolutely. And, I mean, when you got Paul George on the other side, you've got to be able to figure out how to get stops because, well, I don't think Cleveland in, is in any trouble. You know, they're, they're greater opponents, more um, formidable opponents ahead. And I think you've got to tighten things up on the defensive end to get out of this series really as unscathed as you can and to get uh, to make a deep playoff push is what they're expecting and trying to do. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, it starts it starts at defense. Yeah, and they got to finish games. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, I know they're up in a lot of these games, but you have to play with the same sense of urgency. I mean, when there's, there's time on that clock. These are NBA players. Regardless of whether it's the Brooklyn Nets, the Pacers, or the Golden State Warriors in the final, you got to treat the game like a professional. And one last thing on the Cavs, while I'm with you, I don't think they have any real sense of danger in this round. It will ramp up significantly in the second round. Mm-hmm. Interesting decision in the first game, Ryan. I know they like to shorten their rotation, but no Amon Shumpert. He was a, D- a DNP. So were you surprised by that? I was surprised, especially because of, of Shumpert's defensive prowess. I always think another guy that you can switch on to Paul George and pick and rolls, et cetera, I think helps. Um, but it was interesting uh, that he did get the DMP CD, as they call it. That, that was very interesting. I, I do think we'll see him a lot more in the series, though, especially if uh, Paul George seems to be a problem because I wouldn't want to have LeBron James guarding Paul George the entire game if I can help it. Yeah, Richard Jefferson got his minutes at 36 years old unless Tyron Lue or, or coach-slash-GM LeBron wants that to be the case, Ryan. I don't know that that's always going to be there. We'll see. I mean, I, I think Shumpert, he's got, he got in tonight. You know, the Cavs are up, I think, double digits now late in the third. But we'll see. I mean, J.R. Smith got banged up a little bit tonight, too, so they're going to need Shumpert. It's important that he doesn't check out. And real quick on the Pacers, you know, they lose this game, and, and we're not expecting them to go too deep into these playoffs. But the way it ended, Paul George didn't take the last so- shot. C.J. Miles did, got a good look, missed it. Those comments after the game, Ryan, where Paul George said, you know, I need to take that shot. C.J. knows it, too. What's your interaction? What's your interpretation of how he said that? Um, I Okay, the sentence in a vacuum, the statement in a, in a vacuum, I have no problem with the actual words being said. I do have a problem with that being said to the media. I think after the game is over, I don't see a problem at all. Paul George feeling like he is the best player on the team. He is the best player on the team. Coming up and said, listen, I need that last shot. I don't think uh, that needs to be voiced to the media because when you're playing against a powerhouse in the Cavaliers, a team who has playoff experience, a team that has championship experience, the last thing you need is the media causing dissension. Oh, who's going to take the last shot? Who is it really Paul George's team, et cetera? I think that's something you say behind closed doors. I don't know if that's something that needs to be said to the media. And I got one other thing to add to that. Paul George didn't really have to give the ball up when he did. I mean, there's a lot of blame to him for how that that sequence went down. You could just hold the ball like everybody else does (laughs) and take the shot. You know, percentage-wise, as great as Paul George is, and he closed the season out on an absolute tear, not exactly the best in late game situations. Just gonna throw that out there as well. So it's not like automatic, like another old guy that we'll get to in the Western Conference who proved it in Game One. Right. But you know, it's not it's not automatic. And and I agree. You you don't say that stuff to the media. You don't. It's it's a teammate discussion. You get on the same page. You go forward. And it's a shame because they probably missed their best chance to you really steal one in this series. But we'll have to see. Another Eastern Conference series that I just briefly want to mention because I, I put it at, towards the bottom of my power rankings, Ryan, is that Washington-Atlanta series, which might be entertaining. I don't know that Washington's going to get tested by this Atlanta team that is kind of up and down, not really sure what their identity is. But that was a physical game. I mean, that was that, that game, I don't know if you saw any of it, but that hearkened, you know, early morning Easter Sunday, some old 80s playoff game. That might have been a wrestling match, as Paul Millsap said. No, it definitely was a uh, kind of a beat em up game, I think. And, and, you know, anytime you see Dwight Howard getting a little scrappy, you know it's a physical game because he, he's going <laughs> to be the guy, <laughs> the first guy to shy away from that type yeah. of contact. But, no, I think you put the nail on the head. And I, I don't want to go to say sweep here, but I just, if Atlanta should win one game, uh, if Washington comes out and plays like they should play. 
Man, John Wall is something, huh? I mean, we seen him play this good his whole career. I don't think so. And He's the I, best point guard we don't talk about, really. Well, it's crazy because Chris Paul, again, I mean, no, I know he missed some time with the injury, Ryan, but mm-hmm. without Westbrook's season, I mean, these were 2010 guys as well. That's only happened a handful of times in the history of the league. We had three time, three guys this year do it. It's just mm-hmm. a shame that Westbrook overshadowed what Wall and CP3 did. But, yeah, Wall. Who would you take, John Wall or Damian Lillard? Oh, man. Now, <laughs> I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't ready. I need time to think. Um, okay, I would right, take. Right. We'll, we'll re, yeah. We'll yeah. I, I'm leaning wall, but, man, I God, I don't want a diss track made about me. So I don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get Dame Dollar upset with me. But we'll see. I'd have to, I really do have to research that. But the last series in the Eastern Conference that we need to discuss, Ryan Soul's Money Mitch Effect. NBA playoff, just instant thoughts from the opening weekend. Is the Bucks going into Toronto, going into the North and taking game one? And they do it with, surprise, surprise, the Greek freak leading the way. 28 points, 8 rebounds, a couple dunks, a couple big blocks. I don't know. I mean, I would keep asking this question, Ryan, if there's anything he can't do. But I'm, I'm finding less and less out there. I mean, this was a workmanlike performance by a young player who's quickly realizing that he has all the tools. Absolutely. And, I mean, just to really step out into the moment and, and, and take it like he did, 13-18 shooting, 28 points, I think eight rebounds he had, just really a stellar performance. Uh, it's it's a matchup problem for Toronto for sure. There's nobody on that roster that can put in front of him uh, yeah. that's, that's really going to give him a problem. But, I mean, it's just – and I don't, I, and I don't know if this Bucks team is overperforming because of Giannis, but – this is phenomenal, and I really like seeing a small market team get this type of play from their superstar. Two things that really stood out to me. One was that he's getting smarter. You see him he play. He's realizing who was guarding him because Toronto threw out a bunch of different looks as they had to, and he realized, oh, it's Ibaka. I can beat him to the dribble. Oh, it's DeRozan. Let me post him up. I mean, this was a very tactical game plan that worked out for Giannis, but also, Ryan, I mean, he's got some swagger in him, too. I saw that block on DeRozan. I mean, this is a fiery competitor, and, you know, we keep waiting think, to see it. But, I mean, I, I don't I don't know what else you need to see. This guy has got face of the league written all I over agree. him. And I, and I think you can tell in his eyes that he thinks he's arrived. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. And you can always tell on an NBA player's face, especially a young one, when they know they've arrived. I think he, he he's arrived. He's here. And he's a rim protector. His his reach is ridiculous. I mean, the the, the one dunk he had where he literally just stuck his arm up and just glided yeah, the, across the, the lane. Jam. <laughs> it was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He does. It was it was a nice tribute to MJ or Bill Murray. I don't know which one, but no, absolutely MJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's probably MJ. But the Raptors again, Ryan, uh, lose in the first round. Have some trouble with the team they're favored over. Have some trouble at home. This is a trend now. And I'm not writing it off. You don't hit the panic button after game one. I know that. But what is it about this team that, for whatever reason, they just can't handle business against the teams they should? You know, I I don't know what it is necessarily about this team, but I will tell you that Kyle Lowry just did not show up. Might be the injury, though. I think the injury definitely hurts. But and, And I don't know if now... You know, for the last couple of years, DeRozan's really coming to his own and just saying, okay, this might, this might not be my, it might be Kyle's team, but I'm playing like it's my team. I just think that whatever combination of Lowry and DeRozan, and, you know, we talked about this before the playoffs, getting a Baca you thought would have been um, key and really a, a deep playoff push, but it seems like, like you said, this team can't put it together. But I think as a, as a two nights ago, that starts with Kyle Lowry, in my opinion. Yeah, he, he needs to play better. They have an advantage at point guard if Lowry's 90% of what he has been. So he needs to take it upon himself to be the man. And Ibaka, yeah, you touched on him too. I mean, he has to play better. They got him for this reason. They need his sh- shot making from the outside. They need his defense. We'll see. It's going to be another long one for Toronto. I, I'm still not ready to say Milwaukee's going to pull off the upset, but... I like their chances a lot more than I did, you know, 72 hours ago. So I do as well. We'll see. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> Western Conference now with Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect and the first series 
We won't have to spend too much time on this one, I feel. The game that's also tonight as we record this, Spurs-Grizzlies. Man, what a beatdown San Antonio handed Memphis, winning by over 30 points. You respect the Grizzlies' core. A lot of guys that have played in playoff games, Ryan, but I felt, sadly for their case, they were doomed when Tony Allen was ruled out of this playoffs. I just don't know how they're going to score, and I don't know how they're going to stop the force that is becoming Kawhi Leonard. This might be the unpopular opinion, but I think they were doomed when they drew the Spurs as a matchup. And we've seen this this Grizzly-Spurs matchup before over the years, and the same mantra has always been pounded. We're going to play the same type of basketball as the Spurs. We're going to slow the game down. We're going to beat them up, and then they always get outscored. That happens year after year after year. Uh, I'm not when I see the Spurs have to play the Grizzlies, and Mitch, I know you're you know you're a bigger Spurs fan um, than I am. Not to say that I don't like the Spurs, but the Grizzlies don't scare me. They, you know, they may have scared mm-hmm. scared me three or four years ago uh, with Zebo and you know Mark Gasol really playing at their primes, but um, you know I, the, the Grizzlies don't they don't scare me, I, and I, I don't see how San Antonio should win the series in five. I did laugh pretty good when uh, Vince Carter brought the ball up and was guarded by Ginobili. I thought that was uh, a nice that tribute was. to the early 2000s of the NBA. It was cool. But I also have to say, too, I mean, it goes without saying how good of a coach Greg Popovich is. Mm-hmm. The Grizzlies knocked off the Spurs in 2011, the 8 over 1 you know, upset. And since then, a lot of reports have come out that Popovich has made it almost his life work to never let that happen again that this core is not going to bully them inside, that he's figured out a way to coach and construct a roster that will not allow that to happen. I think you were dead on in your assessment that the Grizzlies don't necessarily scare anyone, especially a San Antonio team that knows them, that knows their personnel and can plan accordingly. And I just have to say, I don't know what the Spurs' playoff success is ultimately going to be, Ryan, and I know people want to debate how good they actually are. But I don't think you can have it both ways. Either they're a legit title contender or Greg Popovich is absolutely the coach of the year because they won 60 games. So something has to give. <laughs> Either he did wonders with a roster that's not as good as people believe, which is fine, or this is a legit team. I mean, I, I don't – it could be both, but I, I think Popovich's coaching gets overlooked and underappreciated year after year. He is the Belichick of this league, and I think – I'll get off my soapbox now, but I think he's the coach of the year. And you know what he could be? I mean, I think it would be really hard not to give it to Mike D'Antoni. And, you know, you know how I feel about Mike D'Antoni. But I just, you know, Pop continues to do wonders and wonders. And I think, you know, and and people say this about LeBron James, too, and I I don't want to be blasphemous comparing, um, you know, starting to compare LeBron James to somebody like Greg Popovich, who's been doing it for just so much longer. But you almost forget how great guys like that are because they're great all the time. Yeah, uh, and and I, and I think you know, Bill Belichick to a lesser extent because you know football is a sixteen week season. There's room to talk about it, but over an eighty two game season, it, it's really easy to ignore how great Greg Popovich is on a year in and year out basis, and especially just seamless transitions. A Tim Duncan era where you're you're running your ball through bigs to now the Kawhi Leonard era. All, it seems to have to have happened seamlessly. Yeah. And he doesn't get he doesn't get any credit for that at all. Or if he does, it's just it's not as as loudly bolsterous as he should be. Yeah, no, I agree. We'll we'll see where this team ultimately ends up, but I think it's one of his finer coaching seasons. I just I'd put it there at the very least. The four five matchup that I want to discuss in the Western Conference was the Clippers and the Jazz. The Clippers the four seed at home. They lose a buzzer beater. To the Jazz, Joe Johnson at the horn, Iso Joe does it yet again. A Jazz team that had to deal with losing their best player, or 1A, 1B with Gordon Hayward, but Rudy Gobert goes down in the first 20 seconds. He's going to miss game two. But this Jazz team that plays tremendous defense finds a way to battle through it. We can get to the Clipper narrative in a second, but I just want to commend the Jazz for playing hard and dealing with some real adversity for an inexperienced team and and answering the bell and the call beautifully. Yeah, absolutely. To come out and, like you said, to lose Rudy Gobert, I mean, really before you can blink, and then to come out and win a close game against a team, even though they don't get far, they've been there a lot. Uh, I guess with some experience in the Clippers, you know, there's a lot to be said for a team that really hasn't been this good since Darren Williams was in his prime. (laughs) Yeah, and we know how long ago that was. Right. But Joe Johnson's been doing it for a lot of years. He's as good as anyone in an isolation set. 
with the game on the line. Great job by Quinn Steiner, their coach, not to call timeout. And Johnson, that was your typical old man rec league game of he had Jamal Crawford on him, Ryan. He had the smaller guy, and he just took mouse him to the paint. Yeah, he just, house. He <laughs> you did. can't stop me. You can't, yeah. and that was great to see. On, on the flip side, though, Ryan, I, I mean, the Clippers are just almost indefensible at this point. It happens every year. I know it's a long series, but, again, they had Rudy Gobert out of the game, but yet they continued to either overlook or just abandon their post presence down the stretch. How do DeAndre Jordan, how do Blake Griffin not dominate inside when you have their biggest weapon defensively out of the game? I agree, and and to me, it's not even so much Blake Griffin because I mean he had twenty six, he had seven rebounds. That's that's a typical Blake Griffin stat stat line. But DeAndre Jordan only having ten points to me mm. says a lot. I mean he and he always he's going to fill up the stat sheet and rebounds. He's going to get some blocks, but only ten points. And I, and I know a lot of those points come on lobs, but he should be able to take that matchup for whoever the the Jazz is going to sub in for center and just take them to the post and will Shaq say barbecue chicken? That's what it should be every time. It should be, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, it has not been the case. And the Clippers lose again in dramatic fashion in the playoffs. Stop me if you've heard that before, but we'll see if the Clippers can rebound. Two more series to discuss, and I'm going to, Go first with the most recent game one to end, the last game of their opening games in all the playoff series, which was the Rockets pulling away late from the Thunder, winning game one, which has what we're thinking are going to be our two MVP candidates this year, but the Rockets take game one in that series. It was a close game early, but then it happened, Ryan. The Houston three-point shooting barrage happened. And I gotta say, for all the matchups, for all the Russ versus James Harden, you know, debates and hypotheticals, it comes down to me why I think the Thunder are in trouble this series. How are they going to defend those shooters on Houston? I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. I agree, and I mean, and I, I think um, I'll say, you know, I'll pile on to that. It's not only how are they going to defend, but who does Oklahoma City has uh, have? excuse me, besides Russell Westbrook that can shoot like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to say that Russell Westbrook's even a great shooter, especially from behind the arc, but Houston is just a better team. Yeah. Uh, James Harden or not, and in the playoffs, that's when that get exposed. That's when that gets exposed. We find out who has the better team. Well, Patrick Beverly has games like that. Houston's going to be tough to beat for anybody. He had one of his best games. He's a pest when it comes to defending Russ. He does as good as anyone. I know it's, you know, almost the immovable object, so to speak. But, you know, you wonder too, and, and this is the usage rate. Westbrook has the, the highest usage rate in the history of basketball. We've never seen this. In a game like this where it's track meet scoring, I don't know if that positively impacts his teammates. You know, Russ can go for 50, hypothetically, every game. And he might do that a couple times a series. But they're still going to need more scoring, and I just don't know that that's going to happen. Harden sees the court so well and can get his shooters involved. They they have that deep bench, Ryan, with Williams and with Gordon. I mean, they're going to be tough. Their shots go in for Houston. They are trouble for everybody. Yeah, and I I tell you, and I don't know if uh, Billy Donovan is going to switch up his lineup at all, but it just I think Cantor is the second-best player on the team. I think he needs to get more points. I think Oladipo is great, but I think Cantor just scores a little better, especially his position, and I think they can take advantage of his position in this series. And then the Thunder's supporting cash has got to come and play better. I don't know how they're going to find their shooters, but they could be gone in five games. Yeah, they could. Might, might have to try to see if Doug McDermott will give him a lift off the bench because they just need shooting. You know, that's... Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough one. We'll see what happens there. And then lastly, talking first round of the NBA playoffs with Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch effect. Golden State and Portland. What an entertaining game that was. The Warriors won that game, but it was closer than the final score. It was not that 121-109 game that we thought, if you just looked at the box score, Ryan Portland was in it competitively for much of the game. It had a little bit of everything. But ultimately, the Warriors just too tough, too strong when it mattered. And we talked about it via text when it was happening, Ryan. They are a team that you're always going to be worried about because they can always go on that run. Two minutes of game time, they can essentially steal any game. And we pretty much saw it in the fourth quarter of this one. 
Yeah, and it, it, that a lot of that gets easier when you have Kevin Durant on your team, too. And then just what a quiet thirty-two points he had and ten, <laughs> and yeah, exactly, and ten rebounds and twelve of twenty, just so efficient. And it's just it's scary that if Clay Thompson's not having the best game or your bench really isn't coming to play. I think the bench only got him. Um, I want to say le- right around twenty points. Yeah, and Clark had twelve of that. Okay. Uh, okay. Scary. Um, scary. Yeah. Thompson, six is. of sixteen shooting. Mm-hmm. He can play better. If yeah. Kevin Durant wasn't on, if he didn't play last night, they may or uh, night before they may lose. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very, very wise to say that. And you know, Javale McGee actually had played pretty well. I think he's a good X factor on this team. How about Draymond Green? 19, 12, 9, and five. Five blocks. Everything. Everything. Yeah, it does a little bit of everything. I yeah. do. I do want to say for Portland's case. Their backcourt is unbelievable, and you got to put them on par with just about anybody in the league. I mean, they just don't have anything else. Well, yeah, you mentioned Lillard versus Wall, Lillard McCollum versus Wall Beal. I mean, that's a heck of a debate too. It is. McCollum goes for forty-one, Lillard for thirty-seven, and it was a tough, tough amount of points. The way they got it, they were hitting some hard shots and and going back to back, toe to toe, talking trash with all these Warriors. But you know, Terry Stott said it in the press conference: if they combined for eighty points, which they just about did you still might need 40 more points to win this game. Their bench got them nine points. Mm-hmm. To me, that's Nurkic. And if he doesn't play, if Nurkic doesn't play, and, and I totally understand why he wouldn't because it's a long-term asset in this franchise, I don't know how they have any chance. I, you know, As much as I like those guys, I don't know that they have a chance without Nurkic in this lineup. I agree, and I don't think they had a chance with Nurkic in the lineup, but they really don't have a chance. Yeah, without. they could have won a game or two. They could have won two. I, I think they oh, could. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. won in two games, yeah. but they're not beating the yeah. Golden State Warriors unless number twenty-three, you know, jumps in the Benjamin Button uh, machine. <laughs> yeah, that would <laughs> that'd be what it would take. <laughs> I just, CJ McCollum's game continues to amaze me, Ryan. I think he's a, the type of player that. You know, he, he was overlooked for so long. He's constantly trying to work on little facets of his game. I mean, he had, a, he had uh, I think he had eight assists to go along with 41 points, so he was yeah. a creator as well. But the Warriors are tough. Curry is handling Durant's comeback well. I think they're more adjusted than they have been, than they were when Durant first started out on the Warriors beginning of the season. And this team's scary. I mean, it's we know how good they are, and, and they're going to be a tough out regardless of when Any team that any team that has to play Golden State and doesn't have some means of getting stops means you have to try to beat Golden State in the shootout, and I just don't like those odds if I'm a betting man. No, no, certainly don't. Well, Ryan, we're going to have to monitor this. The rest of the playoffs, it's shaping up. But we're all excited. We got it. We got the uh, the taste of playoffs, and we're ready for more. Thanks okay. for joining me on the show, and i got to ask you, because I've been asking this around, are you Harden or Westbrook for MVP? Oh wow! Uh, I've made my I stance can't... clear. I'm I'm hardened. That's who I'm voting for. Yeah, and you know what? I if I, think I had I'm... a vote, which I don't, by the way. Just yeah, if I had a vote, I think I would go hardened. But if Westbrook wins it, I'm not mad at all. No, you can't be at, mad at what at all. he's done. Um, is a co MVP a cop out here? You know, I, I kind of because it has to be perfect math. You know, you can't split votes. Like for it to happen, it just has to be the luck of the numbers. So, um, I mean, either way is fine. I was just the the curiosity of it. What Westbrook did, I think, is remarkable. I just think Harden did slightly less. Stats were similar-ish. I mean, two rebounds away from a triple-double, led the league in assists, and Uh the team was a little better. So, yeah, we'll see. If you you do the ultimate switch, though, does James Harden have this Thunder team as a – would they make the five seed? Well, I I think it's easier to play with James Harden. So just take with, take with that what you will. I think the Thunder supporting cast would have ha- would have better statistical seasons. But yeah, that's tough. I think they it's just tough. they play such different games. It's hard to do that complete swap. You need to have to construct a team around them as well. But hey, we'll see. I wanted them to name the MVP before the series started, but we're gonna have to wait till round two, unfortunately. All right, Ryan Souls, Money Mitch Effect. Good talking NBA basketball with you. Sometime soon for sure. Finals are like two three months away, so we got time. Oh, we got time. Likewise, man. Happy you had me on. Can't wait again.
special thanks to both guests on today's show, Tyler Tesson and Ryan Souls. It's a slew St. Louis University Billikens heavy show. Thanks to those guys for coming on and talking about sports. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to The Money Mitch Effect. You can find every episode online, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Pretty much wherever podcasts are found by just searching Money Mitch Effect. The entire catalog, all 75 episodes. An unbelievable number, three quarters of a way to 100. Wouldn't be possible without everybody out there listening. Thanks again to Brian Nelson for the logo, Tim Adams for the beats. Reminder, you can find me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21, for hockey and other takes. And I had a lot of hockey takes last night. I should say hockey, sports, you name it. But it was a very good night, the NHL playoffs. Thanks to everybody out there again for listening. Another show this week, be sure of it, two a week. I've done that. I've put my name to it. And if that changes, I will let you know. Mitch Michael signing off. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Keep watching sports. Keep watching hockey playoffs and basketball playoffs. And just enjoy the springtime sports season. I'll see you next time.